Live from the Old Church Concert Hall in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. The um, story begins when I was a boy, and uh, every summer we used to spend the summers at a lake in upstate New York in the Catskills. The lake was called Wanasink. Um, well, there was Neversink, Wanasink, there were other lakes, but it was Wanasink. And we were renters. We rented uh, two weeks in the summer, maybe three if we were lucky. The other people at the lake, they owned their summer homes. These were fairly affluent uh, people, doctors, lawyers, um, and school teachers, administrators, principals in the school district where my father worked as a janitor. Uh, it was a very well-to-do school district. And the story as I recall it, my family told me, my father told me that one of the reasons we vacationed at the lake was that he wanted me to have the opportunity to learn to swim. The, he rated swimming up there with playing golf and horseback riding and things like this. Um, what happened, and it is a story about swimming, um, this was apparently really important to him. At one point, it was so important that I learned to swim. He wanted to encourage me. He threw me out of a rowboat. And uh, as I was, you know, naturally doggy paddling, trying to get back in, he took the oar, and not yet, you know. <clears throat> so I, I didn't learn to swim. That, that didn't help. And I was, uh, my father was disappointed, and he let me know that. Uh, he tried to encourage me in various ways. Uh, he would tell me stories. Uh, about when he and his brother Jack would be looking for the body of a drowned swimmer. Uh, you know, my father in the bow of the boat with a lantern, Jack with the grappling hook trying to find the body. And he, he would explain that, and if we don't find him, it won't be till the spring when the liver bursts and the body comes up. So, <clears throat> you know, it, it wasn't really encouraging for me. Um, one summer, they signed me up for swim lessons, and uh, the coach, swim instructor, Mr. Latimer, I remember him, I'll never forget him, uh, we would have to go to the end of the lake where the dam was. We would, it was always raining and overcast on the days when I had my, my swim lessons. We would stand on a rock, and I would be shivering on the rock until it was my turn to dive in. Mr. Latimer, um, his job, his real job, he was a forensic police, police diver. He, his job was, you know, when, when your car went off the pier, 
when, when they were looking for the guys with the, uh, the cement boots, you know, uh, he, his job was to bring them up. So he would tell us those stories, kind of offhand, matter of fact. And it, um, you know, this was not a good environment to learn to swim. So, yeah. So there was one event that was uh, really interesting, though. Every summer, at, at the peak of summer, they would have an event called the Lake Swim. And this is where all of the boys and girls who were the, uh, the children of the, the owners who, who spent the entire summer there, remember, we're just renters, okay? Only there for two weeks, so we were kind of outliers. And that was a big event for the lake. People would come out on their manicured lawns, on their docks. They would have uh, the sun hats. They'd have uh, uh, their glasses, binoculars, telescopes, cocktails. They would, you know, look, there, there's Mary Jo. What, what a strong swimmer she is. Look, there's Johnny, there's Jimmy. What, what nice young boys these are. And my father and I would sit on our dock he would sit there with a can of beer, and he wouldn't say anything. And when the swim was over, he would turn to me and he'd say, why don't you try, try to swim? And, well, you know why I wasn't about to try to swim. But, <laughs> but it was very, very important to him. And uh, I think for my father, when I think about it in retrospect, the reason was that he believed if I could swim, it was somehow an entree to a world that he himself had been cut off from. The world of golf, of horseback riding, swimming, polo, or whatever. Maybe he aspired to these things. So anyway, fast forward 50 years, and I'm the CEO of a company in Tokyo. I work with doctors, researchers, scientists, engineers on a regular basis. Uh, our company is uh, supported, I don't know how many Japanese Nobel laureates. Uh, by all outward appearances, I'm successful except that success came at a, at a great price. And um, my doctor one day said to me, he said, look, you see these lab tests? If, we're, if you don't change something, we're not going to be having this conversation in another year or two. So the stress, the overwork was killing me. And a friend of mine who knew me, knew me well, said, I've got the solution for you. I know the best swimming coach in Japan, and the pool is only two blocks away from uh, the office. <laughs> yeah, but, but I don't swim. And I thought about it. I, I really thought about it. And I realized I don't want to die not having done this thing. That's a really important thing for me. It's my choice. And I said, okay, I'll meet him. So 
I meet him in a, the, the coach in a coffee shop. We're going to discuss my goals and what I want to do. And this is Japan, so when you meet somebody, you get a, a, a CV, a, a resume, a redic show. <laughs> so he gives me this, I'm looking at it. 16 years, Japan self-defense force, fourth degree black belt, grenade launcher, machine gun. Holy crap, I've got a Navy SEAL for a coach. You know, I mean, this is not what I... I didn't sign up for this. So, <clears throat> but I talked to him, and it turned out he was a fantastic guy, wonderful. And he said to me, he said, what do you want to do? You want to swim, I know that, but everybody has a reason. What's your reason? Why do you want to do this? And I told him. I told him about the lake swim. I told him that I couldn't swim. I told him about my father. I told him all of this. And he looked at me. He just, and he said, Kanarazu dekimasu yo. Kanarazu dekimasu. Without fail. You can do this. You got it. You can do it. And it wasn't like, you can do it. It was like, you could do this. There was something so encouraging in what he said that I decided, okay, all right. Maybe I can do this. I'll give it a shot. And I did. And the lessons progressed. And then, as life often has it, um, life presents you with tailor-made challenges. Just enough. Not too much. Just enough. Not too little. Just enough. Just exactly what you need when you need it if you're open. And this is what happened to me. So my friend who introduced me to the coach, he says, hey, look, there is a Hudson River swim. Uh, exactly, 1.1 miles, same distance as it was at the lake from the dam to the island where the kids used to swim every summer. Uh, and it turns out it was 60 miles away from the lake where I'd spent my childhood. So here's my challenge, and I said, okay, let's do this. My coach, he gets to see New York, I get to swim the Hudson, what's wrong with that? So I show up in uh, Newburgh, New York, the day of the swim, everybody's got numbers, you know, they're, they're, and they are buff. You know, I'm, I'm trying to look like a swimmer, You know, yeah, I, I do. So, <laughs> trying to look like a swimmer, they, they write a number on me, and then the organizers come and they say, we gotta put a band on your leg. I said, what? I said, yeah, we, we have to put a band on your leg. I said, why, why do you have to do that? I said, well, that way we, we know when you went in the water, and, and we know who came out of the water. <laughs> And, you know, I'm thinking, came out of the water, oh my, you know, I'm thinking back to Greenwood Lake and the bodies coming up at the end of the summer. Oh, you know. So they put the band on my leg. We are in the first flight of swimmers. The inexperienced swimmers got, got to go in first. I guess they figured we were slower. So we're in the water. 
And I find out later that this was one of the, the more difficult days that they'd had in all the years of the swim. The waves are, you know, 30, 40 centimeters. For those of you who don't, are not in metric, that's about that. I'm a right side breather, and every, every breath that I take, I'm swallowing half of the river. And I find myself in the middle of the river, half a mile from either shore. And I, I got turned around. I didn't, I didn't know where I was going. Half a mile from either shore, and then it hit me. I could die here. I could drown. The nearest swimmer is, can't even see them. The nearest kayak is, is 100 yards away, more. And I'm out there alone. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, that little voice that sits up here that was with me all my life, you're not going to be able to do this. It's going to be difficult. You know? And I'm, instead, I heard my coach's voice. You can do this. I don't know how I got to the other side. I don't remember. But I, I do remember, as I approached the, the dock, that all the other swimmers, they were on shore partying, grilling hot dogs, hamburgers. I could hear the music, you know. I'm, I'm half dead, and I, I'm also the last one out. The first swimmers made it in 30 minutes. I was in the water an hour and a half. And as I got to the, the ladder, I, I hauled myself up somehow. I, I don't even know how. And as I stood there, wobbly on my feet, I realized that I, I would have exchanged everything that I had achieved if my father had been there. So <clears throat> I stagger <laughs> down the, the, the gangway and um, at, at the end of the gangway, you remember the party's going on and all of that, my coach is standing at the end of the gangway and as I clocked out, stepped on the, he put his arm around me and he said, you did it. You did it. And in that moment, I knew for sure, without any doubt, that I was good enough.